0: We don't know who the good guy is versus who the bad guy is if everybody starts shooting.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Jesus. Republicans. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. NRA. I got the feeling that something right. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. I'm my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs.
2: To the left me, jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with
1: you Clowns and jokers everywhere From Pacifica here. Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA In Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ On the Central Coast in 106.7 KSO In Cottage Grove In Pennsylvania on 93FM WLRI, in Hawaii on 88.5FM KAKU, the voice of Maui, in Ohio on WGRN 94.1FM in Columbus, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Hang in there, guys, on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yes, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices channel. Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, Radio Monterey in beautiful California, and yes, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week on Radio Sputnik, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, and muckraker. An all around swell fellow, says me from BradBlog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, too thrilling, I should say, another too thrilling action-packed adventure. And my thanks also to Angie Koiro for filling in for us uh, at the end of last week. She did one hell of a good job on one hell of an impossible day, frankly, and we've had a lot of those lately. Uh, just an impossible day following the horrific mass shooting in Dallas Uh, she uh, had a great interview with Connie Rice if you haven't heard it uh, you should stop by bradblog.com or your favorite podcast app uh, to download uh, download that program Uh, Connie Rice is the founder of Advancement Project uh, and uh, Angie and her, her and she Angie and she there you go Uh, discussed the work that Advancement Project has done uh, with the U.S. Department of Justice in trying to help change the mentality of many of the nation's police forces from warrior cops to guardian cops that are there to protect the populace. As opposed to scaring the hell out of the populace, which uh, so many of these police forces seem to have uh, been doing now for so many years. It's something we've discussed before on this show, the warrior versus guardian cop uh, about a year ago. I think it was right after that uh, incident in a Dallas uh, suburb, coincidentally or not, in McKinney, Texas, as I recall. Right. It's a
2: northern Dallas suburb, and it was when the police officer tackled the teenage girl, the teenage African-American girl, at a pool party. At a pool party. Uh, a girl in a bikini.
1: Yeah. Wrong place for a, uh, a warrior cop in in that case. Uh, in any in any event, uh, very interesting, very helpful interview uh, about what is described as community policing programs. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in this uh, show. It's very helpful, particularly in understanding and in trying to understand the way that the Dallas Police Department and believe me, as Desi can attest, (laughs) I never say anything nice about Texas. This is true. Right. Uh, But uh, the way that the Dallas uh, PD has been led by police chief David Brown, the way he has striven to be partners with the community through those community policing programs. uh, And that was evident both before and after the shootings last Thursday night by a deranged person with a high-powered military-style assault weapon once again last week uh, as Black Lives Matter protesters were posing for pictures peacefully with the very same cops who were there to help assure the safety of those protesters during their peaceful march. A peaceful march that was blown to smithereens by the massive gunfire of one guy, one jerk with a high-powered weapon. It was also very good to see the, the, the way that uh, Dallas PD, uh, Chief David Brown, uh, he presented a calming and reassuring presence, I thought, on Thursday night and, and helped to de-escalate from what could have been absolute pandemonium at that point in the wake of this horrific series of events that night. Uh, and it was a good reminder, at least to me, Uh, Of the importance of diversity in such high positions of law enforcement. I I, you know, I don't know how you felt about it, but to me, uh, I felt like seeing an African-American in this case, uh, David Brown, heading up the force in Dallas that night in and of itself. Uh, as a, a, an African-American, his presence itself seemed to have a calming influence on what was going on. Now, he just happens to be black. That wasn't, as far as I could tell, any particular part of his presentation uh, that night as as he spoke to the media during that ongoing situation, uh, when nobody knew what the hell was going on, while there was believed to be a, a potential conspiracy of at least four different shooters Working together that night. But as I was watching, I could only imagine how different the response might have been on a night like that had the chief in question been more like the angry, panicked uh, white chief of police in Ferguson, Missouri, a year or two ago after the killing of Michael Brown. So uh, Chief Brown, David Brown's presence in Dallas, in one sense, merely by the color of his skin, I felt sent an undeniable message, as far as I was concerned, uh, to the African-American community in Dallas and around the country, somehow, uh, somehow saying you are not alone right now, even with so many people turning against you. And they were in social media. They were turning on Black Lives Matter, turning against them unfairly in the wake of this particular massacre. Uh, his presence. He seemed to be saying, "I am here. I am with you, and I get it." And even, he, even now, yeah. And,
2: and he followed up with his actions and his words. I mean, his. It was just a dramatic and and very moving press conference. Well, it
1: it was, and it has been throughout. Every time he's he's he shows up, frankly, uh, and and certainly on Thursday night when you have a shooter on the loose, people are panicking. There's there's pandemonium. Uh, And and the shooter at that point was reported and and reported inaccurately at first to be one or more black assailants. Um, So his presence was reassurance. It was reassuring. And I may not be saying this very well, but what I think I'm trying to say is that diversity is good. And diversity is necessary and very, very helpful, even in some situations where one might not have expected it at first. And I know that wasn't the reason that Chief Brown was given his job, but it was an asset that he brings to this task and to the people of Dallas, um, as well as to its its local and state uh, officials, who should be very happy and very grateful for that today. Even as uh, Texas's lieutenant governor was busy acting like a jackass that same night and doing the exact opposite of what we should expect from a leader in these kind of events. Uh, More on that in a moment, though. In the meantime, here's the deal. Whether it's a white terrorist shooting up a black church or a Muslim terrorist shooting up a nightclub or a Christian terrorist shooting up an abortion clinic or a black terrorist shooting up an otherwise peaceful protest against killings by cops across the country or white terrorists showing up at a movie theater or a grade school or a a political rally, all of these things, there is always one thing that they have in common, guns, high-powered, high-capacity, semi-automatic guns that continue to proliferate as the terror-loving NRA refuses, refuses to allow their bought-and-paid-for Republican uh, elected official stool pigeons refuses to allow them to do anything, anything about these problems that happen over and over and over again. And by the way, as we go to air, there's a, a, another shooting inside a courthouse, uh, a courtroom up in uh, Michigan. Still getting details on that so far. Um, uh, uh, two bailiffs and the shooter now dead. It never stops. It just never stops and you'd think you'd think with all of the pretend talk from so many of these Republicans about their love uh, for law enforcement for cops that they'd want to listen to those very same officers who have for so long called for more gun safety measures for bans on certain high-powered uh, weapons and high capacity magazines you would think that those Republicans and that NRA would want to listen to those cops, to those police that they pretend to love, that they pretend so many of them can do no wrong. But they don't. They don't listen to them. They don't actually give a damn about listening to the concerns of law enforcement. They don't. They just don't. Remember the fight just to get health care coverage for the first responders after 9-11, for Christ's sake? And now we have uh, more uh, law enforcement officials uh, killed in one incident than we have seen in this country since 9-11. Will any of these uh, Republican officials who are disallowing even conversation, even talk, even debate about doing anything about guns in this country, will they listen to them now? Of course they won't. They don't give a damn about listening to the concerns of, of law enforcement. And, of course, it's law enforcement who pays the price for that which if you listen to the folks who have bastardized the the Second Amendment to hoax so many Americans into believing that the founders included the call for a well-regulated state militia so that the citizenry could somehow use guns against the government, well, the government is those very cops that so many of these same right-winger politicians are mourning in Dallas today. And it, it... I mean, isn't that why everybody can have any weapons they want so they can take on the oppressive agents uh, of government when they have a grievance? That's what we're told. That's what we had in Dallas. Some guy had a grievance against the oppressive government agents as he saw them against the police. So he started shooting. That's what apparently would happen. That's what the NRA and the Republican jerks say that they want. That's what they want. They should be delighted about it, right? But of course, again, it's law enforcement which pays the price for that great NRA scam that has gone on for so long. How do we know that? Well, we can look at the facts. We can look at the actual data. Christopher Ingram over at Washington Post uh, has been doing exactly that, has been looking at the data and finds that uh, the states with uh, the, the, the most guns, Also, kill the most cops. Texas has a uh, has long had a strong gun culture, he writes, with the state's gun laws among the country's least restrictive, according to the Law Center uh, to uh, to prevent gun violence. Late last year, researchers at Harvard and elsewhere discovered an alarming fact. Police officers are much more likely to be killed in the line of duty in states with the highest rates of gun ownership. The study, published in the American Journal of Public Health, used FBI data to track police officer deaths in the line of duty from 1996 to 2010, cross-referenced this uh, information with state-level gun ownership rates as measured by the CDC that ask about gun ownership. Uh, from 2001 to 2004, and then to isolate as accurately as possible the effects of gun ownership on police officer homicides, they corrected for several factors that could affect police officer homicide rates, like uh, overall rates of violent and property crime, racial and economic demographics in the different states, income, education. Uh, rural, urban populations, and uh, so forth, to break it down, to make it uh, as much of a controlled study as they could. And then they compared officer fatality rates in the states with the lowest public gun ownership rate against officer fatalities in the states with the highest gun ownership rates. The states with the lowest rates of gun ownership... Those tended to be high population places like New York, while the highest rates of gun ownership were in low population places like Wyoming. The results, Ingram notes, were shocking. Line of duty homicide rates among police officers were more than three times higher in states with high gun ownership compared with the low gun ownership states. Really? What about that whole uh, good guy with a gun thing? Because there's a whole lot of uh, supposedly good guys with with guns in, in these various states, and what happens? More cops end up dying. Higher levels of private firearm ownership likely increased the frequency with which officers faced potentially life-threatening situations on the job, according uh, to the study. High rates of officer homicides appeared to be caused, quote, by more frequently encountering situations where privately owned firearms were present, it says. The relationship was strong enough that... Every 10% increase in gun ownership correlated with 10 more officer deaths over the study period. You got that? So a 10% increase in gun ownership, that means 10 more dead officers. 10% increase in uh, the number of good guys with a gun means there will be 10 more dead uh, police officers in, in response. If we're interested in protecting police officers, said the study's lead author, David Swedler, we need to look at what's killing them, and what's killing them is guns. Yeah, you think? Uh, So, you know, data. Data makes a difference. Facts make a difference. You can go on Fox News. You can say any goddamn thing you want. It doesn't have to be true. You can go on CNN and say it. You can go on any media outlet and say it. You can make claims about the Second Amendment. You can make claims about what guns do and don't do. Uh, but facts are facts. Science is science. And we can look at the science and see what is what. And we got more. I got more science along these lines. But as long as I'm talking about uh, jackasses going on CNN, actually I think in this case it was Fox News, Uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and Angie, uh, when she was uh, guest hosting for me uh, in in the uh, previous episode, had um, had played some of this clip. But it is so amazing. It is so mind blowing. And it is such a contrast from Dallas PD chief David Brown, who I'll I'll play a little bit as well. He had a press conference today. Uh, But I just want to play it again because this is what a leader should not look like. And I thought, you know. I thought the former governor of Texas, uh, Rick Perry, was an idiot until I met the current governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, who is even more of an idiot than Rick Perry. But you know what? This lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, makes them all look like goddamn geniuses. I, 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 it's just amazing. Here, uh, here we are. Let me just uh, play this clip. We'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick on Fox News. Go ahead.
3: Uh these were officers last night. Many of them never had a never had a chance, never knew what hit them. Shot in the back. I do blame former Black Lives Matters protest. Last night was peaceful, but others have not been. And we've heard the pigs in the blanket. All of these officers has been said last night, lost their life protecting people who were protesting against them. This has to end. Too many in the general public who aren't criminals but have a big mouth are creating situations like we saw last night. Um, all those protesters last night they ran the other way expecting the men and women in blue to turn around and protect them what hypocrites and i understand i understand the first amendment i understand freedom of speech and no, i defend you don't. it no, you it isn't is our constitution it isn't our soul but you can't go out on social media and mainstream media and everywhere else and say that 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 the police are racist that the police are hateful the police are killers first we have line to have defense. their back and i'm i'm t- i'm sick and tired of those who are, who are protesting our police and uh, and putting their lives in danger. Where there's wrong, there's wrong, and then it has to be addressed. But uh, this has got to stop, and it needs to stop now.
1: I love that the the people who are protesting, those out there, those who have a big mouth, uh, they, they're they're somehow putting the police in danger. They're putting the police in danger by protesting against the police uh, killing people for no reason. Against what we saw happen as we see happen day after day after day down in Louisiana, in Baton Rouge, up in uh, Minnesota, where these uh, black men who are, you know, either unarmed or perfectly armed, legally armed, as was the case with uh, Philando Castile up in uh, up in St. Paul. He had a gun. He was licensed. He was, did nothing illegal. He had a broken taillight. He ended up dead. But it is those people protesting about that who are at fault. And then you have that was Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick going on to say we have to have their back. We have to have the back of police. Well, apparently not. Apparently he doesn't give a damn about having the back of police because the police would like to see more gun safety measures. They would like to see a lot less of these arms on the street. They would like to not see these uh, open carry laws, these high capacity uh, assault rifles so easily sold to everywhere. If you really wanted to have their back, Lieutenant Governor, you would listen to what those cops are saying. Steve Waldman over at Washington Monthly notes that the most anti police organization in America is not Black Lives Matter, it's the NRA. In the past, they responded to the proposals to ban semi-automatic weapons by attacking the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms as, quote, jackbooted government thugs. Remember that? Remember that? For years, the NRA has fought restrictions on cop-killer bullets that pierce the protective armor worn by law enforcement officers, Waldman notes. They've opposed most gun control measures requested by the police. Not only do they make the the police jobs harder, they peddle the lie that America's police are so ineffective, anarchy already reigns, that the regular public must arm themselves to stay safe. The police can't do it. The police can't keep you safe. They're no good. Waldman writes, that's at the heart of the increasingly dominant notion, the most noxious new idea of the last 30 years, that the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, a good civilian guy with a gun, apparently. Because we had a lot of uh, good guys with guns in Dallas, but they weren't able to stop the carnage on Thursday night, were they? Lots of them. And one guy was able to cause that kind of carnage. Waldman goes on to say, think about it. The answer used to be that the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a policeman with a gun. But no more. The NRA's big message now, the police are not the answer. You can't rely on the police. Really? I I thought we had to have their back. I thought we ought to be listening to the police. We will listen to them in a moment. I'm going to take a quick break. But before I do, one more uh, helpful uh, piece of, you know, facts (laughs) that might be useful here. Once again, from uh, Washington Post's Christopher Ingram, uh, who notes that uh, many conservatives have rushed to lay blame uh, for the uh, for the Dallas shooting at the uh, at the feet of the Obama administration. So it's either Black Lives Matter or it's the Obama administration. Former Republican congressman, for example, Joe Walsh, speaking of jackasses, said on Twitter that Obama's words and Black Lives Matter's deeds have gotten cops killed. He, by the way, Joe Walsh, told them to, to watch out, told Obama he better watch out because now it's war. Congressman Roger Williams, Republican of Texas, said the spread of misinformation and constant instigation by prominent leaders, including our president, contributed to the killings in uh, in Dallas on Thursday night. Congressman Steve King, Republican of Iowa, said the shooting had the, quote, roots in the, quote, anti-white cop events illuminated by Obama. These statements writes Ingram are part of a broader narrative of a war on cops carried out by the Obama administration and or by Black Lives Matter, uh, depending on whom you ask. Well, here's a funny thing. Data from the Officers Down Memorial page he found, which tracks law enforcement officer fatalities in real uh, in real time, illustrates uh, something very different from what these uh, wingnut right, you know, jackasses are out there claiming that Obama is putting cops at risk, that Black Lives Matter is putting uh, lives at risk. The uh, officers down Memorial page finds just the opposite, finds, in fact, that police are safer, much safer under Obama than they have been in decades. During the Reagan years, for instance, an average of 101 police officers were intentionally killed each year under George H.W. Bush. That number fell to 90. It fell further to 81 deaths per year under Bill Clinton and to 72 deaths per year under George W. Bush. And under Obama, the average number of police intentionally killed each year has fallen to its lowest level yet, an average of 62 deaths annually through 2015. He says, uh, Ingram says, if you include the 2016 police officer shootings year to date, this includes Dallas, and projected out to a full year, that average of 62 deaths doesn't change. Now, that doesn't mean it's Barack Obama necessarily uh, lowering the rate personally or even his policies that are lowering it. But it speaks to this notion, this nonsense, that somehow Barack Obama is causing this hatred of police and is causing uh, uh, cops to get killed. The facts, if you give a damn about facts and data, the facts simply don't bear that out. The facts actually bear out the opposite. 101 uh, killings per year under, under Ronald Reagan plummeted down to 62 a year under Barack Obama, lower even than it was under George W. Bush by far. These figures, uh, by the way, include all incidents in which a suspect intended to kill a police officer, shootings, stabbings, assaults, bombings, and vehicular assaults. They exclude such things as accidental shootings, job-related illnesses, and traffic accidents, and so forth. So if you were to narrow it down to just shootings, just guns, the overall trend would be roughly the same. From 80 deaths annually under Reagan to 48 deaths. Annually under Obama, almost cut in half under Obama. And by the way, overall assaults on officers, those are down too. a similar pattern. So, you know, you can talk to me all you want about uh, having the having their back, having the the back of the cops listening to law enforcement. uh, But these guys don't. These guys are simply lying, as they always do. They are lying on behalf of the NRA so they can fight like hell to make sure that uh, we don't get to do nothing. We, including the cops, don't get to do nothing uh, to keep ourselves safer, to have a government of the people, by the people and for the people. Instead, it's a government of the NRA, by the NRA and for the NRA. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll listen to an actual cop right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast.
3: Brother, brother, brother There's far too many of you dying Indeed You know we've got to find a way To bring some loving here today yeah. Father,
1: Father. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman we from bradblog.com Over the weekend, there were uh, scattered outbursts of violence uh, that uh, marred otherwise peaceful Black Lives Matter protests organized in cities across the country. According to AP, Uh, protests of the fatal police shootings of Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Philando Castile in St. Paul, Minnesota, dozens were arrested. Uh, and at least five officers in St. Paul, Minnesota, were hit by projectiles thrown by protesters, according to CNN. The mayor of St. Paul, Minnesota, and a, a protest leader on Sunday decried violence that had erupted during the demonstration. St. Paul Mayor Chris Coleman said in a news conference, We will not tolerate this the kind of shameless violence we saw throughout the course of the night. This doesn't honor anyone's memory. Apparently about 300 protesters blocked traffic on Interstate 94 in St. Paul on Saturday night, protesting the fatal shootings of Philando Castile, 32-year-old in a St. Paul suburb. Officers were pelted with rocks, bottles, concrete, construction materials, and fireworks, according to police. Rashad Turner, leader of the Black Lives Matter uh, group in St. Paul, Uh, which was one of the protest organizers, told WCCO-TV on Sunday he was very disturbed by the throwing of rocks and bottles at officers, but he attributed that to outside agitators from nearby streets, not the protesters, not the Black Lives Matter protesters who were on the freeway. Nonetheless, he said it's ridiculous. It cannot happen. It is not what we do here in St. Paul. It does not honor Philando Castile. Uh, Those protests, I suspect, will continue, hopefully peacefully. In the meantime, uh, Dallas Police Chief David Brown uh, has been praised for his community-based policing efforts in Dallas, both before and since the shootings last week. Uh, That effort has resulted in a marked drop—a marked drop—in the city's crime rate since he began. Since Brown began his program. Uh, Over the years of his tenure by hiring more cops from within the city of Dallas itself and reducing the use of force confrontations with the public. So, you know, real things that really make a difference rather than platitudes and nonsense like, well, we need more good guys with guns. Chief Brown spoke to the media at an hour long press conference earlier today. He said a lot of really good stuff that needs to be heard. Uh, he said, and so I'm going to play some of this. Uh, he said, among many other things, that he has no plans, no plans to change what he has been doing, to change from the community policing uh, model that has served Dallas so well now for so many years since he has been there, that it has served to drastically lower the crime rate and the number of excessive force complaints in the city of Dallas uh, since Chief Brown has come in and instituted the model that encourages guardian cops over uh, warrior cops in the community.
0: 2015, just last year, was our unprecedented 12th consecutive year of crime reduction for a total of a 53 percent reduction in crime more than any major city in this country during that period. And they've done this by also protecting the civil rights of our citizens through community policing. And in addition to that in 2015 we had a 67 percent reduction in excessive force complaints. We average over 150 to 200 every year for the past 33 years, and last year we had 14. Wow. The overall crime rate here in Dallas is at a 50-year low. This tragic incident will not discourage us from, from continuing the pace of urgency in changing and reforming policing in America we are committed to community policing. It it is in the 21st century. It is the best way to police our country. It's the best way. And we have led the country for 12 consecutive years in crime reduction by doing that type of policing. Community policing works. It makes us all safer.
1: That was uh, Chief David Brown, a police chief of Dallas, uh, at a press conference today. What a marked difference uh, in his response, in the response of the Dallas police, uh, compared to so many incidents we have seen uh, over the past few years. And frankly, if any police department had a right To sort of go nuts at this point, it would be the uh, the Dallas police who just lost uh, five of their own, saw 12, uh, it was 11 or 12 shot in this one incident. If they had, you know, if anyone had an excuse to crack down on what is going on in their city, it is Dallas. But the Dallas police have not behaved that way, did not behave that way on uh, on Thursday night and have not behaved that way since. They are, as far as I'm concerned, uh, a model to the nation. David Brown is a model to the nation. He was also asked about uh, the, de- the debate over guns at the press conference and, uh, frankly, the lack of action on them. Here was Chief Brown's response.
0: But there's a greater role in policymaking, and folks just need to do their job. There's there's too many things we all agree on, on both sides of the aisle, that we hadn't gotten done. And, and the issues have been long discussed I can't stand watching cable news anymore it's been discussed you know for forever and it's we're just not getting to a place where we do anything and that's the frustration for police officers is is that we all know what needs to be done that we agree on let's get that done well something on guns you know I was asked what's your opinion about guns ask the policymakers to do something and then I'll give you an opinion Put, put a law out there and I'll give you an opinion about it but to have me do that job I'll pass on that. Get in that debate and get swallowed up by both sides who are entrenched in their positions. I I want no part of that. Do your job. We're doing ours. Mm. We're putting our lives on the line. The other aspects of government need to step up and help us.
1: Yeah, step up and help us. Step up and help them, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Don't just say we need to have their back. Listen to what Chief Brown is telling you. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to him saying that there's stuff that both sides agree on, that 80 and 90 percent of Americans agree on. Just these low-hanging fruit gun safety issues we've talked about on this show so much, so often, so recently, uh, you know, uh, about closing the background check loopholes uh, at gun shows and online. Uh, trying to do something for you know to keep uh, folks who are on the terrorist watch list from ma- being able to walk into any gun store and buy weapons of mass destruction, just like al-Qaeda has told there are people they can here in these United States. There is stuff both sides agree on, as David Brown put it. So pass the law, and then he can talk to you about it. He is asking you, uh, step up and help us. And of course, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and all of the others clinging to their guns at the NRA are doing just the opposite. They are not giving cops the uh, the tools, the gun safety measures that those cops have been begging for for so many years. In the meantime, those same politicians continue to ask more and more of police, of police themselves, rather than provide real services to the community because, God forbid, they might have to raise taxes to pay for what the people actually need and one. Instead, we'll just ask the cops to do it. We'll just ask the same folks who we pretend to support, uh, the, the same folks who, who act like they're supporting cops but really aren't. And instead, they're just piling more and more on them, asking them to solve all of society's ills. Dallas PD Chief David Brown spoke about that at his press conference today as well.
0: Uh, what we're doing, and what we're trying to accomplish here is above challenging. It, it is. We're asking cops to do too much in this country. We are. We're just asking us to do too much. Every societal failure, we put it off on the cops to solve. Not enough mental health funding that the cop handled. Not enough drug addiction funding. Let's give it to the cops. Here in Dallas, we got a loose dog problem. Let's have the cops chase loose dogs. You know, schools fail. Give it to the cops. Um, 70% of the African community is being raised by single women. Let's give it to the cops to solve that as well. That's too much to ask. Policing was never meant to solve all those problems. And I just ask for other parts of our democracy, along with the free press, to help us. If anything could be done, it needs to be done by uh, our, our public, which includes the protesters, to have greater concern about the requirements that it puts on law enforcement when you have spontaneous protests or even planned protests to ensure their safety, but not to be inconsiderate of the officer's safety. That's that's what could be done different. If something can be done, it's it's going to be done in the public square. It's going to be done by our citizens understanding that uh, this democracy requires their participation.
1: Man, I love that guy. Uh, Dallas PD Chief David Brown uh, just one more comment uh, from him um, from his press conference today. He was asked about uh, about open carry. You know, they've got these, uh, well, liberal uh, <laughs> laws when it comes to to guns. You can pretty much have any gun you want. You can walk around with it any place you want. That led to havoc on Thursday night as, uh, you know, everyone was scrambling. There was a bunch of open uh, carry protesters out there who had guns. Uh, and and you know there there was no way to tell who was the good guy who was the bad guy
2: and and the uh, Dallas Police Communications Chief Officer uh, stepped into it a little bit when she identified someone mm-hmm. as a suspect yeah. who was only actually a person of interest because basically they were looking at people who were carrying guns and running away from the protest and she identified that man who was not in any way whatsoever an actual suspect
1: and she and and uh, whoever the uh, public Information officers were at uh, Dallas, left that up for hours, even after they knew that this guy had nothing to do with it. There was video of him during the shooting. Obviously not shooting anybody, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And uh, they put the word out for this guy. I can only imagine how terrified he became once he realized he was a suspect in this. And then they left it up there. They left up his picture. This African-American guy uh, with a you know long gun that he was marching right along with the protesters uh, throughout that peaceful protest. And again, peaceful protest where the protesters were posing for pictures with the cops themselves uh, uh, until uh, gunfire uh, shattered that piece. Uh, all right, one more comment here from uh, from uh, Chief Brown, uh, his press conference. He was asked about open carry and, and this whole uh, so-called good guy with a gun theory that the NRA has pulled out of their ass and has been forcing upon this nation now. For a number of years in order to keep any uh, public official from passing anything that has anything to do with guns, with gun safety, despite the fact that so many that 80 to 90 percent of Americans. And I mentioned that number before. It's not just 80 to 90 percent of Americans. It's also, you know, 80 percent of of Republicans. It's also 78 percent of NRA members. I'm sure you've heard those statistics. We've talked about it a lot on this show, but I guess it needs to be said over and over and over until it gets into someone's goddamn mind. All right. One more uh, comment from Brown about uh, about that issue, about open carry, this good guy with a gun. Uh, and and how uh, that ends up making the job of police that we're supposed to be listening to, that we're supposed to have their back, if you listen to the Republicans, uh, how that makes their job so much harder. It's a little different here
0: in in Texas in the way we view uh, open carry, concealed carry. We're trying as best we can as a law enforcement community to make it work so the citizen can express their Second Amendment rights. Uh, But it's increasingly uh, challenging uh, when people have AR-15 slung over, and shootings occur in a crowd, and they begin running, and we don't know. Or we don't know if they're the shooter or not, or they begin it's been, it's been the presumption that a good guy with a gun is the best way to resolve some of these things. Well, we don't know who the good guy is versus who the bad guy is if everybody starts shooting.
1: Yeah, they have no idea. If everybody's got a gun, if everybody takes it upon themselves to start firing at the bad guy, then what do the cops do? Then who do they take down? Then who do they arrest? I mean, good Lord, this stuff seems to be so obvious, and yet I guess we have to keep saying it over and over and over again. Nonetheless... Couldn't be prouder, couldn't be happier to see a guy like David Brown heading up the Dallas PD. So finally, Desi Doyen, (laughs) I've been able to say something nice about your home state of Texas.
2: Yeah, I I have to say, um, you know, he is a third generation Dallasite and he is a 33 year veteran of Mm. the Dallas Police Department. And when they hired him, he was very clear he was going to implement the community policing policies. And those have thankfully Proven the efficacy of the community policing model and the guardian policing model. And I, I hope that uh, this is something that will actually sink into the brains and minds of politicians and especially police departments across the country. This works.
1: Good for them. Good for him. Good for Dallas. A sentence I thought you probably thought <laughs> never you'd never hear, you hear say. me say. Uh, and it's not just Brown, it is, uh, you know, much as a fish rots from the head down, I guess a fish also. Uh, Does well from the head down. I don't Uh, know how to twist that metaphor, metaphor, but the point is uh, the uh, Dallas PD major Max Garon wrote about this. He had worked a 27 hour shift uh, that night came in uh, amidst this uh, pandemonium and was directing a lot of what was going on right there on the ground, and he wrote this fantastic description of what he went through that night and in the the hours after. I just want to read one part uh, from from the end of his uh, remarks, because they were really remarkable. Um, He writes, "Uh, We are guardians, absolutely. We are affected by these moments of extreme violence directed at us, however, And this is where the warrior mindset was born, in that hellish situation of being fired upon, working tactically to overcome that threat. Being strong and conquering one's uh, fear and staying alive, that is the appropriate place for the warrior in a gun battle. Not a warrior pitted against a segment of the populace, but rather a warrior trying to stay alive against one trying to kill you. These men who died were men of guardian hearts, protecting citizens' constitutional rights as warriors in a battle for their lives. And that dichotomy is a sense of struggle for me as an advocate for stronger police community relations, an inclusive in-group identity for citizen and police where they're not pitted against one another. It is imperative that we continue to deal with and overcome inherent bias and its effects on human beings. All this during a tense time in our nation. He writes, So I need more sleep. I need to grieve. I need to do my job. And I need to lead officers of whom I am extremely proud to serve alongside. These are truly men and women who are guardians of the city of Dallas. We can improve how we deal with conflict and de-escalate tense situations, and we can also support a police department with a history of reaching out and of inclusivity with its citizenry. These are my thoughts. I'm struggling like the rest of my brothers and sisters in blue, and I wanted to share these thoughts. Major Max Guerin, Dallas Police Department, July 9, 2016, uh, just hours after... uh, Major Guerin lost uh, a lot of friends, a lot of colleagues in uh, in that one horrible night in Dallas. All right, a quick break, and we're back with more Bradcast. Uh, we have time for a little bit of politics. Break things up. That'll cheer everybody up. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast. <laughs> Well, that's what Democrats are hoping anyway. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Talked about the the platform fight going on between the Bernie Sanders supporters and Hillary Clinton supporters. Yes, that is still ongoing. Uh, We talked about that last week. We've got uh, an update today. Before I get to that, very quickly, uh, speaking of women in power, Theresa May is now set to become Britain's next prime minister after her sole remaining rival, also, a woman, Energy Minister uh, Andrea Leadsom, unexpectedly withdrew from the race today to lead the Conservative Party. Current Prime Minister David Cameron now says he will step down as of Wednesday. That's it. David that was Cameron fast. is out. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to leave until, I think, uh, the fall. But he's out. It has been uh, d- dwindled down to just Theresa May uh, to lead the Conservative Party which means uh, she will now become the next prime minister of, uh, of Britain. Cameron announced his resignation after the country had voted in the uh, referendum last month to leave the U.K., the Brexit referendum. He had campaigned to stay in the European Union, and May, uh, who also supported remaining in the EU, uh, she is, uh, according to AP, one of the most experienced ministers in Cameron's cabinet. Serving in the notoriously difficult job of interior minister for six years, if confirmed, uh, the 59-year-old politician would be the second woman to hold the job after Margaret Thatcher. So that's Great Britain, where they're about to get a, another female prime minister. Meanwhile, back here in uh, these United States of America, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton are planning to speak together at a joint rally in New Hampshire on Tuesday morning where Sanders is finally expected, yes, to endorse his rival. The presumptive uh, Democratic nominee, the announcement, comes on the heels of what is being described as very positive uh, and progressive results of talks being carried out by both Clinton and Sanders supporters to hammer out the language for the Democratic Party platform document to be presented and finalized and voted on at the party's upcoming national convention in Philadelphia at the end of this month. So, uh, as mentioned, we had sp- uh, spoken to uh, Salanza Ben Norton, I think, a week or so ago after the platform committee's last meeting in St. Louis. It didn't go very well. There was a lot of uh, disagreements on the direction for the platform. But they met again over the weekend in Orlando, and they are said to have emerged with many agreements that have uh, pleased Sanders supporters and apparently pleased Sanders, uh, Bernie Sanders himself. Uh, Sanders is calling this the most progressive platform in the history of the Democratic Party. During lengthy and at times raucous Democratic Party platform talks in Orlando, Sanders supporters are said to have won a number of progressive concessions from the Clinton camp, resulting in what Connecticut Governor Dan Malloy also said uh, was uh, by far the most progressive platform that this party has seen in multiple generations. Democrats adopted a progressive agenda, according to the Sanders campaign statement, that underscores the need for bold action on climate change, addresses criminal justice reform and calls for doubling the federal minimum wage. We've made enormous strides. Bernie Sanders said, thanks to the millions of people across this country who got involved in this political process, many for the first time, we now have the most progressive platform in the history of the Democratic Party. The uh, Platform Committee also adopted an amendment focused on criminal justice reform, calls for an investigation by the DOJ to investigate all the shootings involving police officers of late. It puts a price on carbon and methane to discourage continued use of fossil fuels that are causing severe climate change, Sanders' uh, campaign statement says. Lawmakers must consider the impact on the climate in all federal decisions and invest heavily in wind and solar power rather than natural gas. These changes adopted in Orlando... Uh, follows what happened last month in St. Louis when they were a- in St. Louis, Missouri, when uh, they were able to uh, get commitments to abolish the death penalty, to break up too big to fail financial institutions, establish a modern Glass-Steagall Act, and uh, end corporate tax loopholes, ban private prisons, and uh, expand social security. And now uh, Hillary Clinton has agreed to what Bernie Sanders will amount to, free tuition for 83% of American students. This is a big deal. Uh, The New York Times uh, said uh, that uh, last week, uh, amidst the ongoing meetings of the Platform Drafting Committee, Hillary Clinton announced a plan to eliminate in-state tuition at public colleges and universities for families with annual income Uh, Incomes up to one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, a step towards the plan that Sanders had pushed during the campaign to make tuition free for all at public colleges and universities. So now, as Sanders notes, that will allow uh, free tuition for 83 percent of American students if they want it. And of course, if they can get it passed, this is not law. This is just the Democratic Party platform. But it seems kind of like a big deal. Uh, Also, Clinton has now moved closer to Sanders on health care issues. The platform uh, committee has agreed to uh, call on Congress to add a public option to the Affordable Care Act, which should have been there in the first place, frankly, at a minimum. If they weren't going to have single payer, then the compromise position should have been uh, a a public option for people to uh, select from. But that was back when Barack Obama was busy uh, negotiating with himself over everything as opposed to negotiating with Republicans. Uh, In any event, uh, the platform now calls for such a public option, something they couldn't even get into the talks uh, for the Affordable Care Act for Obamacare when that was uh, originally being debated back in uh, 2010. Clinton also uh, affirmed support for allowing Americans 55 and older to buy into Medicare. Right now, that generally doesn't become available until the age of 65. So now she says even people who are uh, 55 should be able to uh, to buy into the Medicare program. Uh, So Bernie Sanders has succeeded, if not in winning the nomination, Yet there's still a few weeks. Things change quickly around here uh, between now and Philadelphia. But uh, if not winning the nomination, at least moving the party and bringing these things uh, to to the forefront. Apparently, one of the reasons the committee meeting took so long. Uh, on both Friday and Saturday nights when it ended after midnight, according to The Washington Post's Dave Weigel, was that the rival camps kept seeking unity amendments. They were trying to find things that they could come together on. The, the most dramatic, uh, says uh, Weigel, was a police reform plank that committed Democrats to require the use of body cameras to stop racial profiling and to stop the use of weapons of war that have no place in our communities, unquote. Sanders supporters also won concessions on new antitrust language, uh, but they fell short on uh, support for a call on Congress to not vote on the Trans-Pacific Partnership or the TPP trade deal uh, that Sanders vehemently opposed. Clinton eventually came out to oppose even after she had supported it while uh, serving as secretary of state. And nonetheless, they would not include in the platform that there should be no vote on the TPP. Largely because they didn't want to embarrass President Obama, who has supported TPP uh, and who I believe hopes there will be a vote during the lame duck session following the November election, uh, which will perhaps we'll see result in enough votes from both Republicans uh, and a few Democrats in order to get that passed. Hope it doesn't happen, but that looks like the plan. Uh, for, uh, Sanders uh, supporters did, however, lose on their call for a ban on fracking. Apparently the fractivists fell short uh, in in that debate that a lot of people were watching. I suspect we'll cover that more on, on an upcoming Green News report. Desi <laughs> oh, <going>? maybe. <laughs> uh, but they did walk away with language that prioritized the building of solar and wind plants before natural gas facilities. And that is in a contradiction of uh, years of consensus that natural gas was the bridge fuel, the the way that we should go to fracking uh, until uh, solar and and wind and so forth became more uh, available. Uh, they did lose on the idea of Medicare for all, but they did get that concession, the public option and uh, Medicare for people 55 and older. And a big one they also lost concerning uh, uh, Israel and Palestine. One of the most heated debates, as Weigel describes it, uh, led by Sanders appointee Cor- Cornell West in that uh, debate, progressives failed to pass new language, committing Democrats to ask for, quote, an end to occupation and illegal settlements in Palestinian territory. Even that uh, they couldn't get past, but they did get past a lot of other stuff for what they uh, both sides now seem to agree is the most progressive platform in party history for whatever that is worth. We got to get out. My thanks to our producer Desi Doyen. My thanks to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. You can uh, download uh, this show or any other that we've ever done at bradblog.com or iTunes or your favorite podcast uh, app. Um, you can drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Twitters and the Facebooks, I am simply the Brad Blog. And I always look forward to your comments at bradblog.com as well. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>